love, peace, and light. Welcome to the Take the Red Pill podcast. I pray that this message finds you in amazing health, great spirits. Today I wanted to talk about gaslighting, what it is, and how to counter it. And I'm recording this at 3.36 a.m. I typically wake up around 3 or 4 a.m. I am absolutely a morning person. You know, part of my spiritual journey is that me sleeping to 7, 8, 9, 10 in the morning is not an option. My third eye alone will keep me up more than normal. So I want to use this time efficiently, effectively, and wisely to, to share something that's been on my mind. Okay, so gaslighting. You know, this is a term that, from my understanding, is relatively recent. I mean, obviously, the technique has been used since the beginning of humankind. However, I think the the terminology, the popularity of it, recently has blown up in modern culture, culture and society. So if I ask, you know, Alexa, what the definition of gaslighting is, and she says... To gaslight means to call someone to doubt their sanity or to kind of doubt their knowledge or who they are. In other words, almost like a a mind fuck, like being in the twilight zone. You're like, am I losing my mind? Is it me? Or, you know, if I tell you that one plus one is two and you tell me, no, it's three, it's four. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> that was definitely two. You know, a person who gaslights is someone who whether intentionally or not, probably intentionally, causes another person to doubt who they are, their mindset, their sanity, what they believe. I personally believe that gaslighting and narcissism go hand in hand. You know, in order to gaslight someone, it, it tends to take a narcissistic personality. I mean, you have what, you know, the audacity of someone to do that with a straight face means that they have to have some type of psychosis. And narcissism fits right along with that. I recently had a job interview. You know, I'm an educator by trade. Um, 23 years. I'm a veteran educator. Now, I'm 43 years old. So you do the math. So I've been teaching for more than half of my life. I am what you would call a master educator. And I've been called that by other educators. I've been called... A phenomenal teacher. Now, this is not to brag. This is not to boast. I'm just saying that my colleagues have spoken well of me. And I've received commendations on my teaching style. How I'm able to relay difficult subjects and esoteric concepts to kids and get them to understanding and understand it in a way. And more important than that, to really inspire kids to want to learn more and to take the helm of their own education by the horns and seek out knowledge for themselves to discover for themselves you know my degree is in biology and I have been a science teacher for all of those 23 years so with that said after my grandmother transitioned in January of 
this year. Rest in heaven, mom. I love you. I resigned my post at Meade High School because, quite frankly, I was there physically, but I was not there mentally and spiritually. I could not provide for those kids what they needed. I could not be that excellent educator that I know I am. I was there in body only, but my mind was elsewhere. I was grieving. I was in the throes of grief. And so for that reason, I resigned my post. So now, obviously, having processed the grief better, you you never completely get over it. But having processed grief, having gone through that journey, continue to go through that journey. But I'm at a place now when I want to get back in the classroom, you know, get the ball moving again. So I'm putting my resume out there. I had an interview with a school called IDEA. Like, that's a great idea. It's called IDEA Academy. Now, I heard of this school many times before. There was this allure to that place that made me want to work there because I know for a fact that the type of kids that go to that school would benefit from my experience, my passion, my knowledge for science. Not only am I a science educator, but I'm also a mentor. And more specifically for young men, young black men who need that positive influence and that role model to realize that you can be intelligent, you can graduate valedictorian as I did in my high school. You can be, forgive the expression, you could be a nerd and it's okay. You don't have to be the tough thug street person, persona to garner respect and be an alpha male and to be deemed, you know, a a man. So with that said, I had an initial phone screening interview with a man named Mr. Jennings. He's the vice principal, black man. And I thought it went well. I mean, we we got along well. I was excited. It was sounding good. He was asking me some really good questions as to my teaching philosophy. And as I was talking, he was acknowledging it very affirmatively. And he seemed enthusiastic about potentially having me come in and and interview for a position. So I was really excited when he set up a a second interview where I would do what they call a demo lesson and then obviously followed by a um, a debriefing. But in the email, aside from that demo lesson, I was also, quote unquote, assigned a task, a performance task of where they provided a scenario and I was supposed to explain or break it down how I would handle that scenario. Now, when I opened up the performance task, it consisted of hypothetical students. Some scored a high on on some assessment. Some failed the assessment. And then also in that scenario was a data set uh, that talked about students who had a lot of tardies and absences and students who performed well and earned some what they call uh, principal uh, positivity points and all that type of thing. And my task was, how would I, you know, how, how do I interpret that data? And then what would I do to kind of move the students along who seemed to struggle with the assessment? I thought it seemed a bit odd because, first of all, it wasn't 
indicated what type of assessment it was. Two, I don't know those students. So I don't know what I would do in that situation unless I was in that situation. You know, it's quite simple. Standards are used to drive your instruction as an educator. For example, students will be able to explain the process of photosynthesis and how plants provide, uh, make their own food. You set a daily objective to help them achieve that mastery and understanding. And then ultimately you assess them to see whether they pick that skill up or not or understood that concept in the form of a, a quiz or a test. It's really simple. You know, if the students pass the test, they get a good grade, you move on. If they don't, you reteach, maybe do some type, different type of activity, some type of cooperative learning thing, or a fun video, whatever it is, and then you reassess them again. It's quite simple, it's tried and true. Bada bing, bada boom. So, on the day of my interview, so-called interview, I go in, uh, apparently they expected me to present this elaborate, uh, what do you, you know, PowerPoint presentation, Google Slides presentation on how I would handle the situation. And I'm looking and I'm like, um, I didn't, I didn't do all that. It, it doesn't take all of that. And here's another lesson to you especially young people when you're going for a job and you have as much experience as I do particularly or as you build your experience, anytime you go for a job interview and they require that you do a lot of work on the front end, that's a red flag. Um, I don't work for that company and you don't work for that company yet. So anything that requires me to take hours of my time and my time is valuable in fact, my time is so valuable, I'm considering filing a lawsuit for my time against that company. You understand what I'm saying? I'm valuable. So that's a red flag. And that was a red flag to me. So there was another lady. Mr. Jennings was there. The vice principal who I initially had that phone conversation, phone screening with. And then there was another lady. I forgot her name. Purposely trying not to remember her name. But immediately when she walked in the room to greet me, my third eye went off. You know, when she went to shake my hand, it had to have been the coldest, limpest handshake. I mean, even for a, a woman, that was a limp handshake. It was it was almost as if she expected me to kiss her hand. Like, you know how a man out of chivalry would, you know, like mm, kiss a woman's hand. Not going to happen. And then she started giving me these strange looks like she was kind of looking me up and down. Now, I don't know, you know, people, this is 2021. Women are feeling emboldened. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe she was attracted to me. I don't know. So as she pulled out her little laptop and she goes to typing, okay, how would you do this? And how would you, and I'm looking at her and I'm looking at Mr. Jennings like, um, there's nothing to discuss because it's simple. You pre present a standard, you teach, you assess, you evaluate. If you need to reteach, you do that. If not, you move on. And then the lady, she goes on to question, well, do you know what standards are? And I gave her almost a death stare, <coughs> death stare, excuse me. But I didn't look directly at it because I know that if I stare at somebody with my death stare, I literally can snatch their soul off their body. So I gave her kind of this 
ignorant. I'm not going to call it what I was thinking. I've been teaching longer than you, almost longer than you've been alive. So that's gaslight number one. Disrespect, rudeness. So then she proceeds to ask, well, what's the exact standard that you would use to reteach this particular? I said, I don't know. I would look it up. I mean, I, did you invent it? This stuff is not brain surgery. She's trying to present herself, but she was trying to present herself or what they had constructed there, something grandiose and wonderful, and it really wasn't. And I think they got their feelings hurt when I kind of brushed it off. So she decides, well, you know what? We're not even going to continue with this interview. So you, you don't even get to do the second half of your interview. No demo lesson. We're going to cut this short. So I looked at Mr. Jennings. I said, sir, thank you for your time. I stood up put my shades on and walked out the motherfucking door. I didn't even look in her direction. So let's break this down. First of all, the gaslight of asking a veteran educator, do you know what a standard is? Would be like asking Chef Ramsay, do you know what salt is? For that alone, she deserved to be slapped in the fucking face. And I'm not even a violent person. That's just ultimate disrespect. And if I was... At a different point in my life, I would have said something more aggressive to her. Second of all, this notion of asking someone who's not an employee of that company to present, to create something that would take hours on end, not going to happen. And my advice to anyone out there, it's not worth it. Don't do it. It's a, it's a sign that is a bad omen. For that company, because what that's what that should tell you is if they're willing to violate your time now and they're not even paying you. Imagine what they're going to do when they think they got you by the balls because you're an employee of that company. Walk away just like I did. So they tried to gaslight me into thinking I didn't know what a standard was. That's like asking a world class chef. What's salt? What's rosemary? What's thyme? What's oregano? It's ridiculous. Second, they tried to gaslight me into believing that I was unprepared. No, I chose not to work for free. Because to create a fake PowerPoint on a ridiculous scenario would have taken me hours on end. If you do it right. And I don't get paid by that company. So I wasn't going to do it. Third, they tried to gaslight me into thinking that somehow 23 years of experience is nothing. Oh, you know, you know now it's the gaslight. Of, no, it, experience doesn't matter. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell everyone who's listening to this right now. Nothing. And let me repeat. Nothing beats age and experience. And you can argue, oh, what about the talent? You know, if you're young and fresh with the talent. Here's the deal. I'm also talented. So if I have talent and I have experience over you, so what does that say about my value over you? That's a gaslight. That's a narcissistic deflection of truth to try to pump that person up because of their ego. If I'm doing something well for 23 years and I'm excellent at it, I'm learning also every day and I'm not dead. That means every day I'm getting better. And you try to tell me, Oh, no, no, that doesn't matter. You know why it doesn't matter to them? Because it's not theirs. 
Now, if they had that badge of honor of saying, you know what, I'm a 23-year veteran, what, what should have happened, and I'm going to say this, in a different time, a different place, a parallel universe maybe, what should have happened is when she walked in that room, when she walked in that motherfucking room, what she should have said was, wow, thank you, sir. Just like they do veterans, thank you for your service, sir. Thank you. That's the respect I deserve. That's the respect every educator deserves who's worth their salt. That's the respect educators, social workers, people who really care for children and have dedicated their lives to bettering the lives of children deserve. But see, all of this was a sign. But before any of it happened, I knew. You know, something's happening with my third eye where my third eye is wide open. I'm I'm actually considering doing things to kind of close my third eye. I don't know. Normally, I operate in the realm of the clairsentient where I'm more just intuitive. But lately, I've been claircognizant. I've been clairvoyant. And I've been seeing a lot of visions of things to come. And I knew I was going to have to walk out, walk out that interview. I had a vision of that. And I, I kind of thought it strange. But it makes a lot of sense now in hindsight. Because when I look at even from the, the initial emails that was sent, there was a lot of unorthodox, unorthodox things that were done in that email that should have been a red flag. It kind of was a red flag to me, but you know, sometimes you kind of maybe you're hoping for the best. <clears throat> but the gaslighting that's happening in modern society, I think it's causing me to question, am I, am I living? Are we living in a twilight zone? You know, I'm starting to see headlines on CNN and other news sites of things that I knew from 20 years ago. I'm like, am I in the twilight? Like, are they just figuring this out? Because I've been knew that. Like, for example, they'll they'll have a headline. Water. Drinking four to six glasses is critical. And I'm like, but who doesn't know that? Like, you know, news is being presented as if it's brand new. Or they'll say something like, Researchers have discovered that weightlifting can help with overall body fat levels. I'm like, researchers? I knew that from like 30 years ago. Like, who doesn't know that? Like, it, it, And they're, they're presenting things as if either they invented it or I don't know it or we don't know it. So I'm, and I'm, I'm starting to question, like, am I in the Twilight Zone? <laughs> I'm seeing articles and headlines of stuff that... I knew from a long time ago that I figured out on my own. I'm like, well, I'm a, I must be ahead of the curve because I've been through that. So to sum it up, I would say to handle gaslighters and gaslighting, I think it's critical that you counter their points. You know, so for example, I author books. Okay, I'm, I'm writing my fourth one now. It's going to be my... God willing, my crowning jewel, my art of war, my the search for meaning, 
my as a man thinketh? If I told someone that I was an author and that I was on my fourth book, a gaslighting narcissist might say, oh, I've never heard of you. That's cute. But you know what I would say to them? Well, there are a lot of things you haven't heard of. I mean, it's the truth, right? I, I think the best way to handle gaslighters is to counter them with the truth. So in that scenario, they're trying to be a smart ass. Oh, I haven't heard of you. Well, there are probably billions of books you haven't heard of, right? So that diffuses that. Another example would be in the case of me having 23 years of educate, educator experience, being a dedicated teacher, now being a master educator. Let's say if someone who's maybe one or two years experience. Let's say if they say to me, to my face, oh, experiences and everything. It doesn't matter. It's not all about experience. Sometimes it's just about what works right now. My response would be, okay, so since experience doesn't matter, then your experience doesn't matter. And I got more than you. So what does that say? Right? So counter the gaslight with the truth. You know, there's some goddamn gaslighters and narcissists that are so good at getting in your head that they will literally have you questioning your sanity. You know, you could wear a size 10 shoe and the motherfuckers will have you thinking you wear a size 12. You know, I'm like, no, I, I think I'm right. It, and I'll say this too. Be careful. Because some gaslighters and some narcissists are so good at deception. If they repeat something enough, you'll start to believe it. That's why it's so important that you counter it point by point. No emotion is needed. Just counter it. If I'm six foot three and they say you're five eleven, no, I'm six three. It's that simple. I think that's important. I think you have to counter. If you hear it, especially if they say it in your presence, in your face, you have to counter with the truth. That's how you deal with gaslighters. Unemotional, unaffected truth. The motherfuckers will get in your head. Some people are good at it and don't, and don't begrudge them. Don't be jealous of them. Some people are just naturally good at being assholes. Some people are psychotic to the point where they understand the workings of how to occupy space in your brain. And they will use that talent to do that. All you have to do is counter them with the truth and stay firm on it. I'll conclude with this. I had someone accuse me of being an alcoholic. It is the absolute. Not, that's not even a gaslight. That's just an outright lie. I mean, just not. There's no truth to it. First of all, I don't drink. And second, even if I did, you know, I'm over 21. I can have as many drinks as I choose to have. But this notion of throwing everything at the wall and seeing what will stick seems to be something that in modern society is the case because people don't care of the impact of what they say. And I think social media has made that a thing because you can go about and troll with anonymity and you can just say anything and there's no real consequence for it. Now, mind you, there's always a consequence because we're all connected and there's energy. And there's things that I won't even say to people because I don't want 
what I say to negatively impact them in a way where I'll ruin their day or potentially ruin their week or, or life, which is possible. You know, words are powerful. That's why we use them. So be careful with it. Counter the gaslight with the truth. Be unemotional with the narcissist. Speak the truth and keep it moving. If someone says a lie about you with, without emotion, without being affected, just counter with the truth. No, I'm not 6'1". I'm 6'3". That's it. You are, you're an alcoholic. No, I don't even drink. It's real simple. But with that, I pray that something I said is able to help you in your situation and in your journey, inspire you, enlighten you, encourage you. May you be happy, peaceful, and free from suffering. God bless.